Please stand with me as we read the scripture today. Taken from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Bibles, and we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to do a new series on Proverbs. I call Proverbs God's Wisdom Handbook. And not sure how many messages we're going to do. We'll see. At first, I didn't think I was going to do that many, but now I've been thinking about it. I might do more than I thought. When I start to look at a book of the Bible, I just always get amazed, though, you know? Every book is so amazing in its own way. And the book of Proverbs has a special amazement about it. It's so unique. In all of human literature, think about it, in all of human literature, of all the books ever written, there is no book like the book of Proverbs. And obviously there's no book like the Bible, but there's no book like this book of Proverbs. It's a truly unique book. But I want to warn you today, as we begin this series on God's Wisdom Handbook, And the message is learning to live skillfully from the first seven verses. We're just going to look at these these introductory verses. That's what this is, the introduction to the book of Proverbs. But just in reading these verses, this is how you could feel today. You know, they they say like drinking out of a fire hydrant. (laughs) These verses are so packed with with words and information that you could just get completely soaked and not catch a thing. You know, like drinking from a water fountain, you get soaked, but you still maybe didn't get a drink. So that's my challenge in a way, because this passage of Scripture has at least 11 words that... I could try to define for you and explain wisdom, instruction, understanding, justice, and judgment, and equity, and subtlety, and knowledge, and discretion, and learning, and wise counsels. And what does it all mean? And what is a proverb anyway? So, I I don't want to just throw, you know, like another illustration would be like throw a bucket of sand at you, and throw so many things at you, you catch what? Nothing. If I threw a basketball, if I throw one thing at you, like a basketball, you'll be able to catch it. But if I throw a bucket of sand at you, you're just going to get sand on you. 
So that's the challenge that we have, even as we look at this first introductory passage in the book of Proverbs. So with that in mind, I challenge you this. Don't expect me to be able to explain everything that you might want to know from this passage of Scripture. You go home and study it. (laughs) You go look up these words because you'll get blessed. Look up the cross-references of those. I just rattled off 11 words right from these seven verses. And I, I challenge you when you read the Bible and you come to a word like subtlety. What does that mean? Well, look it up. Go to, go to your Blue Letter Bible. Go find an a online Bible study app that you're comfortable with and look it up and study it out for yourself. And have a hunger for the Word of God. Another thing I want to challenge you in this series in Proverbs is read a proverb every day for as long as I'm preaching through this book. Try to read a proverb every day. I... I still don't know how to find a proverb in the Bible. Like when it comes to those single proverbs, they're all so random. I can, I can, I can come up with it in my head. I kind of like know the idea. But where is that? It's very difficult for me to this day. So keep reading proverbs. Don't stop. And maybe by the end of our lives, we'll be able to find the proverbs a little better. At least I'm talking to myself. But here's the one thing I do want you to catch today. So here's the basketball. Boom. I'm going to give, throw you a bounce pass. Boom. Boom. How to learn to live skillfully. Learn skillful living through God's wisdom handbook. That's how, what we need to learn from this passage and throughout the book. Because we have to do life. And life is complicated. Life is challenging. Life is filled with a thousand decisions. And so here are the Proverbs. This book is to help us manage life. To skillfully find our pathway. And to take the path of wisdom in the fear of the Lord. And not the path of foolishness. So learning to live skillfully. That's what I want you to catch today. These first seven verses are truly fascinating and beautiful. Let's just read verse 2 and then let's pray as we begin. Verse 2, can you read it with me? It says, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day now. Thank You, Father, for Your Word so full of riches. Help us to glean what you'd have us to glean today, that we might learn how to live skillfully for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first question, I'm going to just ask a series of questions today as we think about this theme, learning to live skillfully. The first question is, well, what is a proverb anyway? What is a proverb? So, you know, I read over a number of things and I think the best definition of a proverb that I could share with you is a proverb is a short, salty statement drawn from a long experience. It's putting a lot of experience in a witty way 
for you to grasp in order to then skillfully apply it to your life. So a proverb is a short, salty statement drawn from long experience to teach us wisdom, form character, encourage an obedient relationship with the Lord. And can I say it this way? A proverb is to help us learn wisdom to walk in the fear of the Lord, to be like Jesus Christ. Because remember, who is wisdom anyway? Jesus Christ is wisdom. And who is Jesus? His name, His very name is the Word of God. So even as we read in the Old Testament book, never forget that Jesus Christ is wisdom. Proverbs. Now this is poetry, but it's wisdom poetry. So it's unique in biblical literature. Paul didn't write poetry. The wisdom books are often called, I believe it's Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, I believe is a wisdom book, and the book of Proverbs. Psalms is not a wisdom book, it's a hymn book, but it's poetry. But Proverbs is both poetry and wisdom. The book of Ecclesiastes is wisdom, but not poetry. So, this again is a a powerful and interesting book. Someone says that a proverb combines three words. Shortness, sense, and salt. So, it's poetic wisdom with wit. Concise. A proverb is a concise, real-life statement dealing with things that we deal with, like money, like children, like business. So it's how we can apply our faith in the Lord to life's challenges. So Proverbs warn us, they reprove us, they convict us, they stimulate our thought. And they're to make us wise to walk in the fear of the Lord. So we can live life, how? Skillfully. Now look at verse 6. It tells a little bit about a proverb. It says in verse 6, To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their... What are the last two words there? Their dark sayings. You know what that word dark sayings? You know how it's... In, it's Translated elsewhere, it's translated in the story of Samson when he presented a riddle. That's the word, riddle, a dark saying. So in a way, a a proverb is kind of like a parable in in a sense. Remember how Jesus gave parables. Why? To get you thinking and draw you in for you to say, huh? (laughs) What does that mean? So, a dark saying is like a riddle. So, some Proverbs are going to be like riddles, and you're going to say, well, what does that mean? And you're meant to do what? To find out. (laughs) To say, oh, I want to figure that out. It's like a riddle. So, Proverbs, a short but salty statement drawn from a long experience. So, how is Proverbs arranged or structured? So, I say, how is Proverbs And I'm saying, how is the book of Proverbs? So I'm using singular is to describe one book, the proverb, the book of Proverbs. Okay, that's why I didn't say how are Proverbs. There are many Proverbs, right? But there's one book. So I'm talking about the book. How is the book of Proverbs arranged? All right, so just real quick, and this is actually, to me, very interesting how it is arranged. So there are three parts to the book of Proverbs. And if you look in your, if you look in your bulletin, 
And those on Zoom, the, uh, we did email the outline out. If I hope that you could uh, download that. If you're going to be regularly on Zoom, get that email and download the outline. But here's the outline on page 10 in our bulletin. I, I would encourage you to just look at this right now. So there's three parts of the book of Proverbs. The first part goes from chapter 1 through chapter 9. Now, these chapters are more like narrative. They're not just singular wisdom statements. They're like narrative stories from chapter 1 through chapter 9. So this is where I may preach on, just go through it, but quickly. And then when we get to the sentence statements, just preach more topically. But in chapters 1 through 9, it's instructions of a father and a mother. And often, the chapters begin, like how does chapter 2 begin of Proverbs? How does it begin? You are now meant to look into your Bible and look at chapter 2, verse 1, and answer, okay? <laughs> and how does that begin? My son. How does chapter 3, verse 1 begin? My son. And chapter 4, how does that begin? Oh, I just want to make sure if you're paying attention, okay? That doesn't say my son, that says hear ye children, and so forth. Okay, so it's instructions of a father and a mother admonishing their children. These are the gateway chapters into the sentence Proverbs. In other words, it's, it's kind of like you have to go through the first nine chapters and take an exam before you can really grasp the sentence Proverbs from chapter 10 on. So these are the foundational gateway chapters. Now I should have said as well, who are... who? I'm sorry, did I go off? Solomon could well have written this book. And we don't have to doubt at all that he's the author. Because it says in the Bible he wrote 3,000 Proverbs. There are not 3,000 Proverbs here, even in this book. And he wrote 1,005 songs in 1 Kings chapter 4. So Solomon was a man who understood the wisdom literature of, of Proverbs. In these first nine chapters, and we'll, we'll talk a lot more about it, but basically we see the cry of wisdom and the cry of, of the fool. And there's two cries going forth all the time. Wisdom is crying, come and walk on my path of wisdom. And the fool is crying, come and walk on my path of violence or adultery. And there's two paths and there's two cries. The cry of wisdom, the cry of the fool. The wise path, the foolish path. Choose well. Choose wisely in the fear of the Lord. We all have that choice to make. So part two then goes into these sentence proverbs. And in chapter 10 through 22 are the proverbs of Solomon. And then in chapters 22 through 31. Now, did you, have you ever known this? That in chapter 22, verse 17 through, through chapter 24, from chapter 22 through 20, in the middle of chapter 22, 
There are 30 sayings of the wise. Have you ever known that? So they're not labeled in our King James Bible, but if you get a commentary or if you look into that a little bit, you'll see that there are 30 different sayings of the wise. Now, in this section, there are sayings of various wise men. Proverbs of Solomon, for example, were collected by the men of Hezekiah, the words of Agor and Lemuel. And so the book itself, although Solomon is the author of many of the Proverbs, obviously it could not have been fully completed and compiled until well after Solomon's death, because these men of Hezekiah lived a good long while after Solomon. So it wasn't fully compiled until Solomon had died, of course. But here's how this book is structured. This book is structured for us to walk in the fear of the Lord and have wisdom to live skillfully. That's how this book is structured. Now I want to point out something very important. In chapter 1, verse 7, follow this along now. What does it say? The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So that's how... The book begins right in chapter 1. And now, the last chapter of part 1, what is the the message of the last part of chapter 1? Chapter 9, verse 10, what does it say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we see the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, at the beginning of part 1 and the beginning of part 2 of Proverbs in this first part. Then as we go to part 2, the sentence Proverbs, look at chapter 10, verse 27, which is toward the beginning of part 2. Chapter 10, verse 27, how does it begin? It says, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. And then look at the end of this section, the last chapter of it is chapter 22, look at verse 4. And what does that say? By humility and... The fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Then the third section begins in chapter 22 in the middle there. So toward the beginning of the third section, look at chapter 23, 17. What does it say? It says, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord. For how long? All day long. So that's the first, that's toward the beginning of the the third section. Then how does the book end in chapter 31 and verse 30? Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. So this phrase is key to wisdom. The fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. It begins the book. It ends the book. It begins each section. It ends each of the three units. And then it's kind of sprinkled in other places as well through the book of the Proverbs. So you should know what the fear of the Lord is. I'll explain it. I'll explain it. So what is the process What is the process, and I changed this around a little from your notes. 
I put in your notes, what is the process of grasping a proverb? Really, what I want to say here is, what is the process of grasping proverbs in order to live skillfully? In other words, how do you take these, these proverbs and then apply them to your life so you can skillfully live? Verse 2 really lays that foundation. Verse 2 gives us this process of how we take the proverb Read it, understand it, and then seek to live it out. So look, look with me. Go back to Proverbs chapter 1, and let's work through this passage a little bit. He says in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. So what is the process of grasping a proverb in order to live it out skillfully, to live for God skillfully? So the first thing we have to ask there is, we need what? What does that say? What does verse 2 say? To know what? We need to know what? We need to know wisdom. We need to know wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Wisdom is what we're talking about, really. It's skillful living. And the way I define wisdom, wisdom is the skillful application of the knowledge of God. It's what you know about the Lord and then apply that to your life and decisions that you're making. Wisdom is the skillful application of the knowledge of God to the moral complexities of life. And we have moral complexities of what is right and wrong. And wisdom does have a moral component to it, as well as to the other decisions that maybe the moral rules don't apply. We need wisdom. So think about knowledge is, let's say, you know, you've studied air movements and you understand gravity and you have knowledge about that. That's knowledge. The Wright brothers had that knowledge. But then they took that knowledge and applied it and Made a what? <laughs> An airplane. That's wisdom. To be able to take that knowledge and put it to practice. That's wisdom. So you can know something and still be a fool. You could learn, you could memorize the book of Proverbs in your head. And if you don't apply it, you're not wise. So we need to know but then we need to skillfully apply the knowledge of God. And who is ultimately wisdom? As I said, it says in the Bible that Jesus Christ is wisdom. So we want to live like Christ. We want to be Christ-like. So we, we need wisdom. And that's how I define wisdom. And we'll talk more about that as well in the days ahead. The second question here, though, what, what comes next? It says, to know wisdom. Now, to know wisdom... You have to know instruction. You'll never learn wisdom without instruction. So what is instruction? And, and I ask you this question now. And do you really want it? <laughs> because this is, is kind of like where it rubs against us. Instruction is that you have to listen. And you have to pay attention. Instruction, there's three kinds of instruction. And really what instruction is, it's character shaping. 
Instruction is shaping your character. It's informing you. See, so you have to learn that, right? Now, how do you get this instruction? You learn it through verbal teaching. And we see that right at the beginning of the book, where it says in verse 8, what does it say right there? It says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. So it could just be your dad or your mom or some authority, a teacher in school, a pastor, here I am, instructing and teaching. So that's one way to learn instruction, to shape our character, verbal teaching. But then chapter 24, 32 talks about learning through the mistakes of others, where he says, I saw and considered, you know, that that fence that was all broken down. That guy didn't take care of his life. And I saw the consequences of him not taking care of his property and what that resulted in. And I learned from the mistakes of others. You know, the good thing about, you know what a great thing about the Bible is? Is we, we can read about the mistakes of other people. We don't have time to make all the mistakes ourselves. You don't want to make all the mistakes. I mean, you want to commit adultery? Read about David and see how that worked out for him. Learn from his mistake and don't commit adultery, you see. We need instruction to shape our character through verbal teaching, through learning from the mistakes of others, as well as our own. And then, it says instruction. You know, you know how that word instruction is used? Same Hebrew word. I want you to read it for yourself. Go to chapter 22. Look at verse 15. I want you to read this. And you tell me what the word, same Hebrew word, instruction is. And this is an important way that we teach and instruct others. Now, don't worry. I won't do this to you. But if I were a dad and had children, I would do it to them. And I did. What does it say in chapter 22, 15? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of instruction will drive it far from him. Now this gets, you know, boy, this gets controversial. You know, should you spank your children and so forth? Well, the Bible says in love. Absolutely. You don't abuse your children. We'll talk more about it, but I just say it this way. You never hit your children here, here, here. You never hit your children here. You don't hit your children on their feet, their hands. You don't slap your children with your hands. You don't hit your children. You don't abuse your children. You don't put marks on your children. You show love to your children even when you discipline them. And it says here, the rod. That means you don't do it. It's a neutral object. And... There's one good place to apply that neutral object in love to your children. And you know what part of the body. (laughs) Okay. We could talk more about that later on. But this is the way we get instruction in life. And it says foolishness is so bound in our hearts. One of the best ways to get foolishness out of a young heart it's through a loving spanking. Now, how many of you ever had a spanking? Don't put your hands up. Okay. I remember one time, I, I was drawn in by a foolish woman. I was six years old, and the foolish girl was six years old too. <laughs> and uh, I'm blaming it on her. Like, yeah, yeah. And she said, hey, Matt, hey, Matt, I have Elizabeth's coat. 
And it was a red, I still remember, it was a red windbreaker jacket. She said, I don't like her. And I liked Kathy. So I said, I don't like her either, you know. And, and so Kathy said, she called me to the path of foolishness. She said, come on, let's burn Elizabeth's jacket. And so, I didn't even know how to light a match. I was six years old. Kathy knew how to light a match, man. And so there she was, lighting the matches, and burned Elizabeth's jacket, and I stood right there, accomplice to the crime, saying, Go, Kathy, go! You know? (laughs) I can still see that jacket. It's one of my earliest memories. I was like six years old. Because Kathy moved before I was even out of first grade. So, and that broke my heart because it was my first love. But I got the real love of my life. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, oh, but be sure your sin will find you out. And my mother found out. And she said, Matthew, you go to your room and wait till your father gets home. And that was... I remember being in the room all afternoon, sweating. I was sweating. I was thinking, oh no, what's going to happen? And I got a spanking, and I surely deserved it. And guess what? I never burned anyone else's clothes anymore. (laughs) And I don't even steal. But the thing is with instruction, and I'm just going to warn you right here. And young people, all of us have a stubborn nature. And really, we don't like for people to tell us what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I didn't know how to live my life, you know. And so we all have kind of a stubbornness about us. So if we want wisdom, just put your pride down and have an open heart. Now, all of us get a little stubborn at times. I know I do. But we need a humble heart to learn. Because look what it says in chapter 5. Look in chapter 5, verse 12. And this is one of these adultery chapters where this young man went and he went and into adultery and he got a sexually transmitted disease, it so it seemed. Because here the writer says in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11, you take the path of, of sexual immorality and you will mourn at the last, chapter 5, verse 11, and your flesh and your body will be consumed. And that's something. That's something. HIV didn't just start yesterday. And then he says, then you're going to say, how? Verse 12. Ho, I took this path of a fool. How have I hated what? Instruction. So don't hate instruction. Receive it. Learn from it. Okay. Third thing is, so why are wisdom and instruction paired together? Why are wisdom and instruction paired together? So go go back to chapter 1. And I want you to see this. In verse, so the first time wisdom is mentioned, what's mentioned right along with it? Wisdom and instruction. Now look at verse 3. He says, to receive the instruction of what? Wisdom. Now look at verse number 7. At the very end of the introductory section here, he says, fools despise wisdom and Instruction. So the first three times wisdom is referenced, it's always connected to what? Instruction. My question is why? Why are they coupled together like that? The answer that I have for you is because 
when there is a moral failure, when a boy lies, when a man cheats, when somebody connives in business to get ahead, a moral failure happens. Instruction is essential before wisdom can be possessed. Instruction is absolutely vital to correct the moral failure, the sinful choices that were made, in order to shape the character properly so wisdom can be possessed. So when there is a moral fault, instruction is essential before the wisdom can be experienced. That's why they're put together. So the, the, the last question I have on this verse is to know wisdom instruction, then what must we understand? What must we have? I should say, what must we have? We must have what? Understanding. So there's three key words in this verse. Do you get them? To know wisdom and instruction and to perceive. And the word perceive there is actually the same root as understanding. You can almost read it to understand the words of understanding. So the idea here is discernment. So we want wisdom. We're not sure we like the instruction part. (laughs) But we need it or we won't have wisdom. But if you don't have understanding, you won't get the right instructions to have the wisdom. Because the understanding is what? It's the understanding. I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I discern the meaning of your word. So here the teacher has to put it in a way that it makes sense. And the one who's listening has to be listening in order to have understanding and discern the teaching. So that's why he says, get wisdom. Get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. That's why he says in chapter 3, one of the most well-known verses of Proverbs, he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on your own understanding. We need His understanding of the situation in order to process it, discern it, and then skillfully apply it to our life so that we could have wisdom and walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, Again, look at these three words. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And I found one other verse in the Bible that has all three of them in one verse. So go to that verse, then we'll go to the next point. Look at chapter 23 and verse number 23. And I put the verse up on the screen as well. But here are all three of these words in the same order that they appear in chapter 1, verse 2. And this is a sentence proverb. And he says it this way. Let's all read it together. It says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So these, you know, he's laying the foundation for the rest of the book. If you say to yourself, I don't care about wisdom. I don't want to be instructed. And I don't care whether I understand it or not. Then you lose. (laughs) You lose. But I know that you're here because you want to have that understanding and the loving instruction to have the wisdom. 
And we can have it. He says, buy the truth. This is the truth. So we need to buy it. We must not barter it away or trade it away for anything. So what is the purpose of Proverbs? And this, I'm going to try to move through this quickly, but go back to chapter 1. Now, I want you to notice this about these verses. And you know what? I, I want to just tell you something. I learned a lot from this message. I hope that this has been, so far, pretty interesting for you. Uh, I, and what I'm about to tell you, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't quite see it that way. So this is all was interesting to me. But notice the word that begins, verse 2, 3, 4, and 6. What's the word? The word two. And so here, kind of like infinitive verbs, he says, to know wisdom, and that's the platform. That's what we need to, to process all the Proverbs together. But now in, in verse 3, 4 through 6, he's got three different pe- groups of people in mind. To know, to receive the instruction of wisdom. And then verse 4, to give subtlety to the simple. And then verse 5, a wise man is in view in order to understand. So notice those infinitives. So what is the purpose of Proverbs? Let me break it down this way. It's for the student. It's for the son. And he is to do what? According to verse 3. So, so young people, this is with you in mind, especially the son. So if you're a young person, look at that verse and read it with me. It says in verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. That's what God wants all of us to receive, but especially young people as they're trying to navigate their journey. You know why we're in such a mess in our society today? There's no fathers teaching their children in the homes. Oh, dads, teach your children. Pray with them. Teach them the wisdom and to walk in the fear of the Lord, to live skillfully. This is the great, great problem of our society. And people are blaming all other things, but ultimately we need to get back to God. We need to get back to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to get back into the Word and to teach our children to receive the instruction of wisdom. Now, we already talked about instruction and wisdom. They're to receive that. And then they're to apply it. And in applying it, the young person is to do what? To learn what? Three things there. To to learn justice, judgment, and equity. Now, this is where I feel like a fire hose. But let me just try to remind you. Remember when we studied Abraham? Go back to Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. Real Real fast. Go back to Genesis 18, 19. And when we studied about the life of Abraham, God said, I know Abraham. And he's going to lead his family. And God said, Abraham is going to lead his family in a particular kind of way. And two of the words in that verse are used regarding Abraham. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, he says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do what? Justice and judgment. I'm sure you don't remember, but we looked at those words. I said they're really big Hebrew words. Well, here they are again, right together. Justice and judgment. And this is where, again, I know I'm going to give you a lot of information. It might be hard to get it all at once, but I have it written down. 
But what is justice? And I just put it real simple in your notes. What is justice? It is what? Doing the right thing. So we want our children to learn how to what? Do the right thing when they're faced with a decision. Do the right thing. That's justice. What is judgment? It is? Treating people the right way. Treating everyone the right way. We hear so much about racism today. And racism is a problem. And it will continue to be a problem because we're sinners. But this is the best cure for racism. In other words, to treat people the right way. Wherever they were born, whatever color their skin, it doesn't matter. Every man, every woman is an image bearer of God and I am commanded to love my neighbor as myself and to treat people the right way. We need this teaching in the home. Don't expect the schools to teach our children the Word of God and the principles of wisdom found here. They're not going to do it. So justice is doing the right thing. Judgment is treating people the right way. And equity, which we hear that word a lot, but it's, it's not defined in this sense as it, we hear it today used politically. But equity is judging situations fairly and without preference, without any preference, with an equal balance. And so the idea, if you look at these three words, they're important because one of them is related to self. I have to do the right thing. The second one is related to my neighbor. I have to treat him the right way. And the third one is related to my situation, my circumstances. I have to make the right decision. I have to do the right thing and make the right decision and do it fairly and treat everyone fairly and without preference. So that's for the student. And then... For the teacher is verse 4, if you go back to Proverbs chapter 1. So the student is in view in verse 3, to receive the wisdom and instruction, justice, judgment, and equity. And verse 4, the, the teacher is in view to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. So the teacher is to teach wisdom, is to give wisdom to the student. Now when it says... Simple. Who's a simple one? Simple is a young person because it says to the young man. A simple person is someone who's not intellectually deficient in any way. A simple one here is someone who is unformed in their thinking. A simple one is someone who is not convinced about what the right thing to do is. A simple person is not sure how to treat people the right way. So they might think treating my sister is chasing around the house and, you know, trying to push her head into the toilet bowl. That's not treating your sister the right way, you see. We have to learn how to treat people the right way. And then a simple person is someone who is unformed, not established, but they also might be still gullible and easily led astray. So a simple one is like, because they're not formed, they haven't fully concluded what's right and wrong, and so they'll take the wrong path. If somebody comes along and says, hey, yo, man, 
And that's what, how the, the, the next the, the chapter continues on, is they're saying, hey, let's go and we're going to rob those people and we're going to get rich quick, you know? And we're going to kill those people and just rob them and, and we'll get away with it, man, you know? Don't do it. <laughs> so the teacher gives wisdom, shrewdness. The word subtlety is the idea of teach your children how to shrewdly evaluate a life situation and do what's right, treat people the right way, and make the right decisions. And then the, the third group of people here, so you have the learner, you have the teacher, and then you have for the wise person itself. So now I, now I can talk to those of you who are spiritually mature. You say, wow, I've read Proverbs, I've memorized a, a good bit of the Proverbs. Wonderful. So here's what he says to the wise person, to the seasoned believer. He says in verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. So in other words, you you love the Lord, you know the Lord, you've memorized these verses, you're going to hear it again, and what's going to happen? You'll know Him even better. (laughs) You'll increase learning. Let me ask you this question. Do we ever stop growing? No. Do we ever arrive? Not until we see Jesus. So the adult person here can feast on these Proverbs and increase in learning. In order, notice what it says. And here's where the wise man should be challenged to go into Proverbs as well. A wise man will hear, will increase learning. A man of understanding, you understand it because you've been instructed and you know the wisdom of it. And then it says you shall attain to wise what? To wise Counsels. In other words, you'll be able to wisely counsel people around you. So, don't just have it for yourself, but treat people the right way. A lot of people have questions about life. So, and pray about that. Maybe God would help you to be a counselor. So, the last question, the last thing here today on our plate. So, what is the foundational principle of Proverbs? And it's in verse 7. And we looked up the verses already. The foundational principle, of course, is what? In verse 7. What does it say? The first phrase there. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I have a definition of the fear of the Lord here. And there's different ways to say it, but I think this is a good definition. The fear of the Lord is a joyful wonder. You could say joyful awe. Joyful reverence of God. A joyful wonder before the greatness of God and who He is, which leads us to bow before Him in loving obedience and surrender in doing His will. The fear of the Lord. Some people will say, huh? You want me to be afraid of God? So don't squirm when you hear that phrase. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear, if you know what? If you knew God, you would reverence Him and fear Him. For someone who would say, huh? You mean you want me to be afraid? No, don't be terrified of God. This, is not, this isn't the fear of terror. This is the fear of respect, of reverence, of awe. God is awesome. And joyful wonder before God. That's the fear of the Lord. And fear is used because fear was the first emotion of man when he sinned against God in the garden, right? He was afraid of God and he he was terrified of God in the wrong way and ran. 
That's the wrong kind of fear of God. If, you, if you're afraid of God, you know, the, the kind of fear that some people might think this is talking about is like a terror. No, that's the fear that makes you run away from God and not submit to Him. This is a holy fear. This is the fear that makes you want to come to God and submit to Him and be in awe of Him and say, wow, what a great God. Oh, thank you. And this great God is our Lord Jesus Christ. We're in reverence of Him and our Father and the Holy Spirit. And the fact, the word fear is used as well because guess what? People are afraid. (laughs) They're afraid of all kinds of things. They're afraid of viruses and vaccines. They're afraid of pandemics. They're afraid of this. They're afraid of that. Listen, don't be afraid of the things that are going to happen to you in this life because guess what? We're all going to die eventually. Fear God. Fear God. You're going to fear something. You're going to fear someone. Fear God in joyful wonder so that you will love Him and worship Him because the fear of God actually leads you to peace. The fear of God leads you to strong confidence. The fear of God leads you to joy. The fear of God leads you to love. That's the fear of the Lord. And this is the heart of wisdom. The heart of this book is to live skillfully and wisely in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. There's no hope of salvation without the fear of the Lord. From an Old Testament in Old Testament phraseology, this is as close as I can find to a word saying, you must be born again. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to repent of your sin and believe on Christ and be saved. You have to have the fear of the Lord if you're going to have hope for life and wisdom. Because notice what it says here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, wait a minute. Somebody could say, well, I know what two plus two means. And I have the knowledge of four. That's the answer. And I don't fear God. I'm an atheist. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What, well, what kind of knowledge is it the beginning of? Now go to back to chapter 9, verse 10. And these two verses are really the two probably theme verses of the whole book of Proverbs put together. But what does it say there? The fear of the Lord in chapter 9, verse 10 is the beginning of wisdom. And, what's the knowledge that verse talks about? The knowledge of, not two plus two. Not the laws of gravity and so forth, so you can build a plane, although that's good wisdom. But that's not ultimately the knowledge and wisdom we're talking about. We're talking about the knowledge of who? The knowledge of the holy. Knowledge of God. So when he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, he's saying this, if you don't have an awe and respect for God, you can't know the first thing about Him. You'll never know Him. God is worthy of our reverence, of our joyful awe and wonder. Fear the Lord. And it will lead you to live a life of confidence and success. A life of fullness. A life of joy. To fear the Lord is to hate evil and depart from it. The fear of the Lord will help you to walk in His ways and worship Him in the beauty of holiness. 
The fear of the Lord is what God desires of us and requires of us. It says, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? In Deuteronomy it says, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him. Isn't that something? To fear God is essential to walk with Him and love Him. This is not the terror, the fear of terror. He even says in John, how did John put it? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's the fear of terror. So we're talking about a different kind of fear here. We're talking about a fear of respect and reverence, right? Of joyful awe. And this leads to the blessing of the Lord. And it will lead to God praising you. And that's how the Proverbs end, right? Blessed is this woman who fears the Lord and she will be praised. So when we fear God, God will ultimately praise us. And you know, it says in the book of Acts, the church feared. We as a church should fear God together as we worship Him. And I believe you do. I believe you love God in that this way. Many of you, thank God for you, dear church, and your heart to, to fear the Lord and to walk in wisdom. That's your desire. Hallelujah. And the church, it says when they fear God, they, the church grew. Acts chapter 9. So as we close, go to Isaiah chapter 11. And you know, as we close, and we're going to have the Lord's Supper here, it says in chapter 11 and verses 1 and 2, and these verses talk about Jesus. And you know that Jesus taught the fear of the Lord? He, Jesus said, don't be afraid of people who could just kill your body, or don't be afraid of things that can just kill your body. In other words, don't be afraid of that cancer. And don't be afraid of that virus. Don't, don't fear what can just take your earthly life. Fear Him. What did Jesus say? Who could do what? Cast your body and your soul into hell. Fear God. And reverence Him. And believe in Him. So if you're not saved, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. You must be born again. You must believe that you're a sinner. And because of your sins, you deserve death on the cross, on Calvary's cross. And Jesus died specifically for your sins and the sins of the world. So believe that Jesus died for you and He loves you. And He says, come unto Me and I'll save you. I'll give you rest and salvation. And He's alive today. So Jesus taught the fear of the Lord. But you know, Jesus lived the fear of the Lord. Jesus lived and had a reverence for His Father when He walked on earth. And that's what Isaiah chapter 11 is. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. It says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Now, who was Jesse? Remember who Jesse was? Who was Jesse? That was David's father. So a rod is going to come forth from Jesse. Who's that rod? And it says... A branch shall grow out of his roots. Who is that branch? Who is that branch? That's the Messiah. And who's the Messiah, Sam? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus here in Isaiah. And then he says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. Now there's a sevenfold Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is one. The Spirit of what? Wisdom. He's going to have wisdom. We're talking about that. Jesus had wisdom. Don't we want wisdom? Because he is. And understanding, we talked about Jesus, uh, we talked about that word, Jesus had understanding, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel. He was able to counsel others because He was full of wisdom and might. And the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So there it is. 
Wisdom is first because the fear of the Lord is deep in the soul. And I thought about our passage in in Proverbs that begins with wisdom. To know wisdom, verse 2. Wisdom was first. To know wisdom and instruction. And then, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, beloved, let's skillfully live for our God through this life. Let's counsel our children. Counsel and encourage and pray for one another. Let's make right decisions, treating people the right way. Doing the right thing ourselves. Living skillfully in wisdom and walking in the fear of the Lord. Because as Ecclesiastes says, when everything is said and done, what are we supposed to do? Fear God and keep His commandments. Let's stand together as we pray. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And we'd like to sing that beautiful song in just a moment, just as I am. And we come broken to the Lord. All of us need wisdom. And the good news is, if any man lack wisdom, ask of God. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's just pray to our God. Our Father, we praise You for Your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit. We thank You, Lord, for Your instruction in Your Word. And we thank You for Your loving instructions and chastisements and the chastening of Your Spirit in our soul when we sin. That's Your instruction as well. And we're even told, don't despise the chastening of the Lord because You chasten every one of Your children. We've all needed it along the pathways of life. Thank You, Lord. So help us, God, to skillfully navigate our days, not just for our own sake, but for Your glory and for Your name to be known and manifest in our lives and through us and those in our family. Bless us. Bless every home. Bless every, every father and husband to love his wife and his children, every mom to submit to her husband and love her children, Lord. Help the children to have wisdom, to listen to the instruction of their parents. God, help us as a church to fear You individually and as a body. We worship You. Praise the Lord right now. Just say hallelujah. Thank You, Lord, for Your great love. Thank You, O God. You are a glorious God, worthy of of all praise and wonder. Oh, thank You, Lord. Put us in awe of Your greatness and of Your glory, O Lord. Is there anyone here? You can put your hands down. Is there anyone here who would say, Pastor Matt, I'm not saved. I need salvation today. Pray for me. I need to be born again. Is there anyone? Can I pray for you today? Can I just see your hand? Just put it up that I can pray for you. Anyone at all? Okay. At this time, I'm going to ask Sid to come and lead us in our song. Just as I am without one plea. Church. Just as I am without one plea. 
but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to to come just remain standing for just another moment word in Luke chapter 22 